I said I'll say it again. I said I'm in it to win it. How goes it, Bronzies? Hope everyone's doing absolutely wonderful today. We certainly are. Talk about the t-shirts. Yeah. Hey, before we get fully rolling, we got t-shirts up. Y'all are hearing about this a little bit after we record it, but go over to all of our socials, Bronze Metal Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, and you'll be able to find the links from there. And uh, grab yourself some 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 sick bronze bronze metal armor. So. Bam. <laughs> and with, with all of that out of the way, you got Zach here as per usual. Across the way, we got Dougie Fresh. Yo, yo. And we are absolutely thrilled to have on the podcast with us today, we have Mr. Ray Jimenez of Acedia. Ray, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Thank you for having me, guys. And I feel like I'm still butchering it, even though Acedia. So. Cool, cool. Well, uh, Ray, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, with, with us just kind of bypassing, uh, Halloween just yesterday, do you do anything, anything fun at all? Yeah, we actually had, um, I don't know if you, have you, you guys have obviously heard of squid games, right? By now, I guess everybody knows. Uh, heard of it, yeah. Uh, um, so there was, uh, our friends did like a squid, uh, squid game party, uh, on Saturday and, um, it was, you know, it was interesting uh to see all the <laughs> the different takes on the on the camera uh, you know i mean given you know given the pandemic it's kind of hard to you know i guess for people to get these costumes so a lot of them were homemade so it was interesting to see like everybody's take on the on the costume so it was dude fun. heck yeah that's awesome yeah it, it, it was also uh all too fortunate supply uh, uh what is supply chain issues uh, oh yeah made a uh, homemade homemade costumes uh more prevalent I guess. Dude, heck yeah and honestly that that's <laughs> that's like awesome just to like have the excuse to have to like homemade make something like that so i kind of i kind of dig that that's the case everyone gets a little more creative instead yeah. of just like instead of like me i ran to walmart really quick and i was like like let me just find any onesie just any onesie i can find <laughs> and then i was like all right cool that's what i'll rock yeah, with honestly i think i think that was what was most interesting kind of getting everybody's take on how they go about you know uh, how they went about making their costumes so it was Heck fun yeah. <laughs> dude i love it that's great yeah um but yeah well i guess uh well people are going to be hearing about this after the fact like after halloween and all that so we'll just kind of move on by that but we're always curious when we have people on. Uh, we always like to know what, uh, you know, with, with these bands that we're listening to, we always like to know what the members of those bands are listening to. So that being the case, any uh, any sick tunes you've been banging as of late, uh, whether that be metal or otherwise? Yeah, so honestly, I'm not an avid metal listener. I'll, I'll come clean and I'll Dude, see Dude, that's that. cool. Like, <laughs> Love it, actually. Yeah, so... Um, but recently, um, I was talking to our bass player Goose and we were just like reminiscing on like the old school metalcore bands. And I honestly, when I do listen to, to metal, I, I always find myself going back to a lot of the bands that I used to listen to in the early two thousands. So I, that's the last week or so I've been on this, like, uh, old school metalcore binge. I've been jamming like all that remains. I've been jamming Kill Switch and like all these bands that I was jamming in high school. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Uh, Azalea Dying and what was it? Haste the Day. Um, <laughs> it dies today. I don't know. I've just been on a crazy 2000s metalcore binge. Haste <laughs> the Day. You can't is go so wrong sick. with those bands. Uh, August Burns oh, Red. Man. All those guys. Dude, yeah, we just we just saw August Burns Red a, a few weeks back. It was it was fucking awesome. Uh, them with uh like era and uh 
uh, like and like Moss of Flames, Flames and all that. King. Dude, it was yeah. it was yeah. awesome. And actually, speaking of like of band of like throwback metalcore bands from like back in the day, uh, I saw that August Burns Red actually has their. Like they they do their like an annual like uh, Christmas burns red or whatever show out in Pennsylvania where they're from and they actually have uh did you ever listen to Texas in July back in those days yeah dude yeah I actually used to watch uh, the drummers uh, drum playthroughs and then eventually he started doing uh, videos with Matt too those those dude yeah fun videos Adam for sure. Gray is fucking insane that guy is like way too good yeah. of a drummer but uh but all that to say actually I was really surprised to look at their uh at their flyer for that that Christmas show because they actually have tech, uh, Texas in July uh gonna be on that it's and like Lorna Shore which yeah That's dude, fucking insane. <laughs> it's gonna be sick yeah. I was just so surprised to see uh Texas in July like right off the bat because it's like it's been six years since they've they've been in the game, so I was really happy. And dude, I was so surprised to see Lorna Shore on there too. Right? So I was. For oh sure. yeah, Lorna Shore is 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 awesome. I I love those guys. Uh-huh. Um, I, Archie, the drummer, is actually one of my cousins, uh, one of his best friends, and I had no idea. <laughs> so um, I've 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 always been close with the Rings of Saturn guys, and every time they would come down, like I always go out there and like meet with them. And they did a tour with with uh, Lorna Shore. And um, he, I see that Archie's talking to to somebody, and then he's like, he hands me the phone, and then I see my cousin Lewis, and I'm like, what the hell are you? Do- <laughs> How do you guys know each other? And it turns out like they grew up together, or whatever. So I was like, this is crazy. So it's just, it's definitely a, a small world, but those guys are absolutely killing, and I love what they're doing. And uh, Will, I think it is mm. the the new guy that they have on on vocals that guy is, is a monster like he's he's absolutely crazy insane yeah for yeah. real uh i was just seeing i was just watching like a uh a vocal a, a vocal through a screen through a whatever of him doing a to the hellfire earlier today like up until then it's always just been like seeing you know the videos or the recordings or whatever but it was cool like seeing him just do it live in real time it's like some of the some oh, of the sounds. I, I did see a, a reel on that, like where he does it live. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like just a, like in like a live playthrough. Yeah, he's like in his in his like studio space, yeah. and, all that. and it's just like, dude, some of the noises he can like make in real time without having like you know having to do any sort of like post processing yeah. or anything like that. Like, sure, he's like got all like all of his uh, effects set and everything like that from the jump, but like it's just cool that like out of the box, it's like he really does sound that way. <laughs> it's like, God damn, right. this guy's a yeah. monster. <laughs> it's pure yeah. And, it, and it's interesting to see uh, how it's evolved for sure. Because I remember back in the day, I mean, when I was doing death metal vocals and, or striving to be extreme, if you will, I mean, we were making weird sounds, but nothing like what we're hearing today. There's definitely been, I think um, my buddy Dickie, I mean, he was doing, you know, all this crazy stuff uh, with infinite annihilator. And then, uh cattle decapitation was pretty much the only other band that i knew that did you know weird stuff like uh-huh. that and, and and i mean weird in a good way mm-hmm. um but um yeah i mean I, lorna shore and many others uh what's the uh shadow of intent to uh yeah. ben absolutely monstrous vocalist yeah there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of talent uh, nowadays and a lot of crazy stuff in metal for sure. <laughs> Dude, heck yeah. And, and like kind of thinking of just crazy stuff in metal, like, uh, and, and kind of jumping back to what you were saying earlier on about how you, you're not typically listening to a lot of metal. Sure. Like, like you have metal bands that you're, that you're into. Uh, I'm really interested, um, cause he- hearing your vocal style from hearing like the music that, that you've put out, like you have such a, such a great style to your singing and your screaming. So I'm really interested in terms of the metal and, and in terms of the, 
not a metal end, what all kind of, what all kind of comes into play in terms of influence for your sound? Sure. It's, it's your own unique sound, but I'm just curious what kind of brought you to that. So originally, like when I was doing, um, vocals for abiotic, it was just back then I was listening to stuff like cradle of filth. I was listening to like, uh, flesh rod and black Dahlia murder. And I was really, um, the, the one thing that really attracted me to these uh bands was the really high pitched uh i guess screeches or screams that the vocalists were doing especially Trevor from Black Dahlia and Danny in uh Critical Phil so i wanted to do something like that and i told myself i was like i need to i need to do the highest screeches or the weirdest high pitched screams that i could possibly come up with so I kind of like combined the whole Danny Filth and Trevor and also Johnny Davey from JFAC and uh, Flesh Rod. And I kind of made my own little, I used to call it the, the, the chicken scratch or <laughs> I don't know, or the whiny cat or something because it just, it was, I remember my, my guitarist, John, like he used to tell me, he's like, dude, I cringe every time you do that stuff. Like he, at first I felt like he didn't really like it, but it's, it's kind of like what made me, uh, I guess unique at the time because I, I kind of had this like uh, timbre in my in my voice that like whenever you heard it you were like okay that's that's Ray but then the other thing too is that I was really into Whitechapel so at the time Phil was doing like the craziest lows you know for you know for our uh, era and I was like all right I need to combine these two things so I need to have like super extreme lows and I need to have the most extreme highs so I started just like you know I've always I don't I've never been able to explain what it is that I do like vocally like what is the the process or anything like that like I've always I've kind of always wanted to kind of sit down and and put it down on paper and and figure out like what is it that I do because I've never really been able to do that but I've always viewed like my vocal folds as as like a muscle. The more you do it, kind of like working out, the more I work out, uh, the better I'll get at it. So that's kind of like the approach that I took back in the day. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just making sounds until they happen. And I'm just going to keep doing it until I get the timbre that I want. So that's kind of like what I did um, for Abiotic. It was just like, I want to be super extreme with my lows and I want to be super extreme with these uh, screeches. But then fast forward many you know uh, years after, um, you know, I ended up leaving abiotic and then I told myself I'm never going to do music again. And I was just like, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not joining a band. And then, uh, our current guitarist, uh, Javi, he reached out to me on, on Facebook and he was like, Hey man, um, you know, someone recommended you, um, as a vocalist and I have all this material that I've been working on and I really want you to, uh, kind of, you know, see if you can do something with it and i was like javi i you know i quit music i'm not doing music anymore uh especially metal i don't want to do metal anymore so i don't i, I don't think i'm down so he kind of just left me alone for a while and then he came back and he was like dude you know you live fairly close like just come down to the studio like even if you if we don't make a band like i just kind of need someone to lay down some vocals and i think you you'd fit so you know how it is, man. I love music. I'm, I'm so passionate about music that even though I wanted to stay away from it, it was hard to say no. Because there was still something in there that was like, you know, I need to quench that thirst for music because it's still such a big part of me. And I, I knew I couldn't run from it. So I was like, you know what? 
let me go down there maybe just have some fun with it um we don't necessarily have to start a band like he said let me just see you know what he's got going on so i heard one song that he had at the time and i think we actually ended up uh yes we did release this um it was we did like a demo like our first demo ever um and i think the song was called racious nation and I, when the first time i heard that song i heard like uh javi's uh riffing and i was like this is really we like weird and unique in a way i've never really i was so used to like the death metal stuff that i was doing and the tech death stuff i never heard something like uh like what javi was doing it kind of reminded me of misery signals later on i would i would find out that javi uh was a big fan of misery signals and all that and that kind of influenced his style but it was it was really different from what i was used to listening to so i was like you know what i'm kind of excited about this let me see what i can do so i go into studio and i'm like you know in my head, I'm thinking, you know, death metal vocals, lows and highs. That's what I know. I'm going to kill this. I'm going to, this song is going to be super brutal, whatever. So I go in the studio and I throw down the vocals. And I remember just coming out and the audio engineer was there sitting with Javi and they're both like staring at me and they're like, hey, uh, this is not good. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? I was like, in my head, I'm like, this is absolutely killer. Like, this is awesome. Like, in my mind, I was like, I killed this. Like, this is phenomenal work. <laughs> and these guys are just looking at me like, this is not going to cut it. And um, the audio engineer um, told me, he was like, look, man, um, these vocals are not bad, but they just don't work with the song. Like, you're like, they're so brutal. And the song doesn't, I mean, the song has brutal parts, but like, I don't think that this timbre works with this song. So, that was the first time that I kind of just sat there and thought like, man, like, can I do something else? Uh, you know, I've, all I've ever known is these like extreme lows and highs because that's what was required for my previous band. Like, that's what we were looking for. That's what we were doing. So I've never had someone tell me like, this is not working. <laughs> so um, Javi kind of just sat there and instead of, you know, saying like, you know what, screw this guy, this is not going to work out. He was like, man. I think you have, you know, a strong, you know, uh, uh, vocal presence. And I think that if, you know, if you try different things, you could really like broaden your horizons and really, you know, develop uh, a, uh, a, your vocals in a, in a different way. But I never thought about doing that. So that day was the first time that I started kind of like trying mid-range vocals and a more like hardcore kind of, uh, you know, throaty feel and, the moment I did that, that's when I started to think, man, like I could really, you know, expand and become a better vocalist if I, you know, open myself to trying new things. And literally that if if Javi hadn't said that to me um, at, and Tony, the audio engineer at the time, I don't think I would have really, you know, started to think about it a different way. Because even though I wasn't really listening to metal and, you know, I've always been, you know, into like R&B and um, a lot of like indie bands and things like that. Um, when it came to metal, that was the only thing that I knew. So from there, um, I kind of just, you know, started to think about, you know, the, cause our music was kind of, I didn't really know where to place it. I mean, we were metalcore, but I didn't really know what to, what to call it at the time. So I started kind of considering, you know, the bands that I was listening to, like I said, Killswitch and all that remains and all these metalcore bands that I, I would listen to in high school. And I was like, maybe I can do that stuff too. Maybe I can sing. Maybe I can, you know, do these mid-range vocals. And the moment that I started like trying out those things, I realized, holy crap, like I can do this. Like, I, I you know, um, I guess 
doing all the other extreme vocals that I, I don't want to say they're harder because they just it's a different technique to do them. Um, but it was just I guess that prepared me for everything else because now it was just a matter of conditioning my voice to achieve, you know, the, the other different sounds. But um, yeah, it was really hobby, man. And he's honestly the one that kind of encouraged me to check out new bands to um, go to shows. And eventually I started listening to other stuff like uh, architects and uh, we came as Romans mm -hmm. and um, you know, bring me the horizon. And I started kind of like branching out and listening to even um was this uh, band, uh, Beartooth? Oh, dude, a band yeah. that I probably never even uh, would have considered in the Caleb past. Caleb Shomo you know? is uh, like an awesome and, vocalist too, so that's sick. Yeah. So it was really that, you know, it took coming into a city and just having him be, uh, Javi be patient with me and kind of, you know, root me on and say, hey, uh, you can do this. I think you have, you know, you have what it takes. And yeah, little by little, I started applying the same philosophy. You know, like I said, uh, like a muscle let me just keep trying until i can you know achieve these sounds and at first it was very um uh you know kind of like we're just gonna add little sprinkles of singing here and there but as the band kind of evolved it became you know i, I took more of a of a prevalent role and also our, our old bass player used to uh sing a lot he helped me out uh for uh because we had we, we were supposed to play warp tour um one year and I, I was super sick and then he kind of came on board and started doing the singing parts for me. And then I saw that he was having a lot of fun with it and it kind of looked cool. You know, he was moving with the bass and kind of like doing the singing parts. So I was like, you know what, maybe you should sing and I should just, you know, focus on the screaming and maybe doing, you know, some other singing parts here and there. But then the moment he left too, I kind of just went back to, to, you know, worrying about having more prevalent singing parts, but yeah. Mm. Dude, heck yeah. Everything about that encounter too, that you, that you were like explaining there with Javi is super cool. Like even just from the, you know, like the initial thing of, Hey, I know you're like, you're like done. Like you say you're done with this, <laughs> this whole music thing, but come yeah. it's, it's sometimes just good to have that to like, like just kind of a kick in the ass where it's like, all right. Yeah. You know what? I do love this thing. Thanks for, thanks for kind of getting me into that. Like, or getting me back into that. And then additionally, like once you're there and you're working through it, uh, then it's like, it's great to have somebody there. That's genuinely going to be like honest with you. And then in having, in yeah. having that honesty, it, prov it provides you with new, new input, new information where it's like, Oh, like yeah. here, here are some steps that I can take to, to continue to expand what I'm doing. And maybe, and maybe like, maybe that like kind of helped open up your, your does reopen your desire to like fully, you know, commit to music again, you know? Yeah. And, and one of the, now that you say that, I think that one of the key uh, things, not just with Javi, but even Mike and even our, our current uh, bass player, uh, Goose, um, he, Javi had this like patience, you know, with me because I think that was tremendously important. Um, at the beginning, I was kind of looking for the vocalist that I liked and I was trying to do what they were doing in my own way. And I think that what was cool about Javi is that he allowed me to kind of self-realize my own sound and find kind of like how I wanted to sound rather than trying to copy somebody else. And that was that was huge. Because, I mean, you can emulate what other people are doing. I mean, you can figure out how to do that. 
but oftentimes in the studio i would you know i realized i wouldn't feel comfortable or i i you know i'd write this you know part for a song and, and it just didn't feel right because it wasn't really me so having band members that are obviously you know patient and that can you know support you in the process and figuring out what that process is and what the sound is 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 definitely a key for sure Dude, yeah i think and i think uh maybe maybe a lot of folks that aren't kind of well versed in the in like the studio experience or like go, going in working with a producer or whatever might not like fully grasp how much like sure it's like at any given point you have like one person you know playing this one instrument or you have one person laying down like this one mm-hmm. vocal part and people kind of level it to like oh like they just like that vocalist or that instrumental instrumentalist is just doing what they like came and determined they were doing. But it's like, there's, there's so many like audibles that get called like throughout the recording process. So many, like, Mm -hmm. you know, so many interjections from a producer, like in order to, to help bounce ideas back and forth. And it's not so singular. It's not so one person doing this one role. Like when you hear a vocal part, it's sure it's that vocalist delivering it, but there's so much additional, like, decision-making and and all this by like the producer, other musicians in the band that all is being fed into that, that final vocal part. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we've been there sometimes you write a song, you spend all this time, you know, you know, putting everything together and then you realize, Hey, this might not be as good as you (laughs) thought it was. Honestly, that that's a tough process to sit there and and realize, Hey, all those hours you put in this. Yes. But I I guess it just depends on the way you look at it. Um, Some people might take it as a negative thing. I always tell the guys, Hey, this is part of the process. This is good. You know Um, we just found, you know, a way how not to do it. Yeah. So let's look at that in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. Like not everything works. And, um, sometimes it's tough. Cause again, you do put, this is not easy. I mean, you're, you're putting in all these hours rehearsing, making sure that, you know, um, you, you, you know, master not just your, your instrument, uh, but that, you know, the song that every piece falls into place. And then next thing you know, you go in the studio and you're, a producer's like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is not gonna work. You know, f- funny story about that. We had um, we we had the pleasure of recording with um, Andrew Wade for our last album, and it was one of the interesting things for me was that we one of the songs uh, divided uh, when we first uh, showed that song to to Andrew. Um, he he kind of listened through it. I th- or I don't know if it was that song, but like, anyway. <laughs> One of the songs, <laughs> he, uh, I remember him listening to it and he asked this question. He was like, what, what does this part do for the song? And everyone was just kind of quiet. Um, I guess they were just like taken aback by the question and, or I don't know if we were just, you know, nervous cause we were working with Andrew Wade or what it was, but he, he literally just turns around and says, what is this? What is this? Why is this here? And I remember trying to justify it with the lyrics. I, cause since nobody was talking, I was kind of like, oh, you know, that's the part where I talk about this and I say this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I remember him saying, no, 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 it's not about the words or what you're saying. Like, literally, like, why is this part here? Do we even need it? And he literally just goes and takes the part and, like, takes it out of the song and then just brings the song together. And we listen back to it and we're just like, huh, okay, <laughs> that sounds way better. <laughs> But, you know, we spent, thinking back, we spent so much time working on that one part. (laughs) Again, you know, he listened to it once and was just like, yeah, like, why is this here? 
and completely takes it out of the song and we listen back to it and it was amazing you know it didn't need it but yeah again uh, uh, that's that's part of you know that's part of the process you have to be able to you know uh re reassess your work and just know when <laughs> when when it works and when it doesn't yeah more more like even more than the actual skills it requires it takes like a degree of like flexibility and uh yeah and just uh open-mindedness to like whatever ideas kind of come come around and then ultimately all that feeds itself into being whatever that end result is and the best possible end result it can be so it's it can it can definitely be a bitch when you have a part that you've worked really hard on like that though and it's mm -hmm. like oh man so much time so much energy like we were like you're probably really stoked on the part because like because like yeah. having put so much but just like the uh like i guess the the musical maturity that it takes to be like okay there was this piece that that we worked really hard on that we were really into scrapped and it's scrapped <laughs> so <Fuck>. be it <laughs> if yeah. it's best for the music then that's what we got to do yeah and you know you know what's even i think tougher is that a lot of times uh you know as a band when you listen to a song that you're working on you might be listening to it with your ears mm. so you might be listening to it as a singer or you might be listening to it as a drummer or as a bassist or as a guitarist and, and so forth and not really listening to it as you know as a whole and you're kind of, you know, nitpicking, you know, the guitars or, or maybe the vocals. And you're not thinking about like, does this like fine, you know, there, there might be this that you don't like, but how does it work together as a whole? And I think that's 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 more important. And also, you know, the, the listener, you know what I mean? Because, yes, you want to play something that you're comfortable with and that you like and that you enjoy. But at the same time, you know. I feel like I do this a lot, too. Like sometimes I'll listen to something and if I don't dig the singer, I might be like, I can't listen to this. But sometimes, you know, it, it goes beyond that. It, it, it's it's the music as a whole, not just one individual member. Yeah, honest to goodness. And, and also like the the fact that you were saying too, like just the taking it from the the consideration and the perspective of the actual end listener is super important. We were we were yeah. actually just on a on a on another recording another episode with uh, Joe Tiberi uh, of of the band Mechina, and we were talking about the kind of distinguishing how you are going to listen to something in order to critique it. And we were talking about like active listening yeah. versus passive listening, where it's like passive listening is kind of like how a, how, how, how a listener would perceive it because they're not necessarily, or at least if they're the most listeners will kind of listen to it just as a whole. And they might listen to it while doing other stuff instead of being like fully into it. So like, so that's yeah. where you also kind of pick up on things as that listener is just really, really stepping into their shoes. And it does a lot of good as, as somebody that's looking to create something for themselves and for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's super hard to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. especially if you put, if you're, if you're so like invested time wise and energy wise, it's like, uh, to, to, to have to force yourself to, to like, come into a different frame of mind when listening to it. It's, it's challenging. <laughs> it's hard to look at your own work like that, no yeah. matter what you're doing. You yeah. know, like if doesn't matter if you're working construction, writing movies, mm -hmm. doing your job, yeah. doing anything. Yeah. It's like people come in and see something you didn't mm -hmm. uh, every time guaranteed. No, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all that stuff is relative too, because it also depends on what you're, you know, what you're trying to do, mm -hmm. because if what you just want to do is like jam with your friends and write music that, that you're happy with, by all means, do whatever you want. But if you're trying to make something marketable, if you want it, you know, to, I guess, you know, disseminate 
across the board, then you, you have to keep all of those factors in mind, not just like, what do I want or what do we want? It's like, what's going to, you know, uh, what are these people going to relate to when they, when, when they listen to a hundred percent? Yeah. That marketability thing is like the, is the, the biggest distinguishing factor, like between somebody that's yeah. as somebody or anybody that's just wanting, wanting to play music as you, as you were saying right there, like wanting to create something that is just truly and uniquely like whatever, whatever they want to do. Uh, but then when they're, when it comes into yeah. play, like, uh, just the notion of making it marketable and wanting to sustain yourself off of it. Uh, and, and also, you know, like, like please other people, uh, it, and, and yeah. bringing something that they can really just vibe with and they, they get like, that totally takes a, a different set of, of, of glass glasses to kind of get into that headspace. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. That actually happened to us recently. Um, our our latest release, Doppelganger, um, Javi actually came to me with the idea for the song. And I remember the conversation we had because um, that, that song was very personal to him. And the way he wrote it, I remember the, the first time I read it, my reaction was, I love this, uh, but I don't know how this is going to you know translate to to the listener. So I asked him, I was like, would you be okay with me keeping the same themes, uh, but sort of making it ambiguous enough? So I'll keep your prevailing meaning behind the lyrics, but at the same time, I want to make it ambiguous enough for other people to kind of take their own meaning. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's, that's hard sometimes to do because mm-hmm. a lot of times also artists are trying to, you know, write, uh, I guess be themselves and, and, and make themselves vulnerable to, uh, through their music. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important to give the listener, you know, an opportunity to kind of, you know, make their own meaning to, and kind of, uh, take the song however they want to. Dude, a hundred percent. Yeah. And like, uh, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Like first that it kind of, that was the, the two way street, like the roles reverse of like, from hobby kind of having his feedback to now you having your feedback and improving upon what he was working. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool for start. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, and then in addition to that, like it's, yeah, honestly, like just your notion that you were just mentioning there of like amb- ambiguity, I feel like that's in writing. Like there are times where that's just absolutely just such a, a necessary device to work oh, yeah. with. Like uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big, we were mentioning August Burns red. I'm a, I'm a huge August Burns red fan. Uh, and I feel like they're, lyrics even for very specific like circumstances are generally very very vague and very amb- ambiguous where like i don't know they're just kind of speaking broadly and because of that like they might be talking about one thing in a song and you're perceiving it in a totally different way and it's like oh but like the message still translates because the the end listener like receives it in some sort of way so it's important to to have when it, when it's when and where it's called for to have that that ambiguous amb, ambiguosity ambiguousness <laughs> ambiguity that's the one <laughs> Jesus you you would think I would know words after thirty two weeks of podcasts <laughs> words are tough <laughs> you know I, I, I think it's I think it's funny that we've been talking a lot about August Burns Red uh-huh. um, because my favorite lyrics of all time are from uh, August Burns Red from the song Meddler. Dude, Meddler's When he oh, says, you won't ever fly fast enough, fast to, make enough time to make time stand still. Those are my favorite lyrics fucks, of all dude. time. Dude, that song fucks hard. <laughs> I, yeah, that. 
I'm t- I'm telling you, man. When you go back, and and it's not to throw shade or anything. I love again, even though I'm not like. If you get in my car, you probably won't, you know, I, I probably won't be jamming metal. I That's not to say that I don't check out new mm-hmm. bands. I love checking out new bands. And whenever, you know, my friends send me a link or a playlist or Spotify, I will definitely check it out. Actually, my favorite thing to do is to listen to, to new artists or local bands or like underground radio stations. I was talking to Nick about this, actually. Um, uh, there's some uh, Australian radio stations that he's put me on that I absolutely love. Um but man, there's nothing like going back to those 2000 oh, yeah. uh, metalcore bands. Dude. Oh my god, they're so good! I feel like they, <laughs> they transcend time, like, like Kill Switch. Like, come on, like, they don't have a bad song. <laughs> uh, it, it's tough. I mean, whenever I don't know what to listen to and I'm in the mood to listen to metal, you I will 100% go back and listen to those bands. I mean, my favorite band of all time is Korn, and I can listen to Korn all day every day i mean i have every corn album ever <laughs> like to this day i'm a hardcore uh corn fan and man like these are bands that like they never had to like change i mean if you think about it they've been giving us the same albums for years but they always bring something new to yeah. the table without sacrificing who they are mm. and i think that that's why they they just transcend everything it doesn't matter you know <laughs> how long it's been they're they're, they're always gonna slap dude so actually funny funny story about corn just since they're your favorite band uh <clears throat> so uh over the winters here, I like I have a I have a day job like during the week, uh, but I would pick up like shifts working at uh, at this local restaurant here in town, and I come to find out that uh, one of the other guys I work with there, his name is Zach, uh, super chill chill and like mild mannered guy, like su- like just the nicest dude in the world. Come to find out that he's the touring keyboardist for Corn, actually, and he he just moved into the area. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, like while touring's done, I'm just kind of you know doing piano lessons, and I'm 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 working at this <laughs> restaurant. He's just so chill about it, but it's like, yeah, dude, like you know That's when awesome. you when you close out the restaurant, go home, <laughs> and, then, and then it's game over after that. But yeah, super cool dude. So like, uh, I think they're finally getting back to it. So hopefully, hopefully he's getting back on the road with them, but. Um, but yeah. dude, yeah. Like honestly, just looking back to some of these older bands, like that's so true. Like, like I, I just, I, I recently started listening to a new band called dying wish. Uh, and I feel like their, at least their instrument, their instrumentation in their music is the closest. I, f- I feel like metal kind of comes in waves and cycles. Like there was new metal and then like 10 or 15 mm-hmm. years later, you heard like my ticket home doing hot soup or I think that was the name of the song yeah. and it sounded like new metal again. And it's like, it comes in cycles. I feel like we're kind of in a point right now where some bands are starting to move in. They're starting to cycle back to that, like, like AB, ABR yeah. kind of metal core, like period and whatnot. And, and twist my arm. If we got to hear yeah. new, new fresh versions of that <laughs> new, new metal. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I, and, and, and I, by no means, you know, think that you know bands can't evolve that's not what i'm saying mm-hmm. at all because again we talked about Beartooth. i mean those guys what was the was it attack attack is that what was yeah that what, what the uh what they used yeah. to, mm-hmm. i, I mean that numbers. was a completely different style uh we talked about bring me the horizon i mean pray for plagues to you know i'll die for you now like it's a completely like no Dude, one would yeah. ever you know put those those two together and think this is the same band so i think absolutely bands uh can evolve um 
but I, I do love those bands that just transcend time and they never like Slipknot too. I forgot about Slipknot. Mm. I mean, those guys, I mean, they have evolved in a way in, in one way or, or another, but again, you can still hear that, you know, they've that prevailing sound that they have and they, they're, they'll always be Slipknot. Yeah. And it, and I, and I talked to you guys about corn actually, Jonathan Davis, um, and Chester from Lincoln Park are probably the reason why I started, you know, uh, singing more. So I, I don't think I talked about that earlier, but those were the guys that really like made me want to to mm-hmm. sing. Dude, Ch- uh, Chester sure. Bennington is like he was just the man. Like like oh, we've yeah. even, we've talked about it on the podcast here. Like, and we've had like multiple guests on where we're kind of talking about like foundations of us listening to you know like getting into fringe heavier music and kind of working our way into into metal metal uh, into the into the metal arena and it's like everybody's like yeah dude lincoln park was just was just that band it was like the gateway drug for everyone and, and especially anyone that's wanting to get into vocals like chester like that was kind of the first time that that a lot of us recall hearing somebody like you know fluidly move between like clean vocals and like this grit in this gritty style uh yeah. and so like yeah and how and you just nailed it how clean he did mm-hmm. it because he had this like you know very soft timbre yeah. and then out of nowhere he would just add that rasp and go in and out from that and even scream sometimes like he was just out of this world yeah um i had the i even had the pleasure of um listening to him with stone Temple. um what is it uh, stone temple mm-hmm. pilots um and they toured with, when they toured with uh, i think it was 30 seconds to mars and dude I'm, I'm just so glad that i got to see you know him not just with lincoln park but even that night was very very special that guy is he he was phenomenal yeah i mean he still is i mean he, his music still lives on still uh, still, yeah, still the was, goat yeah <laughs> the goat lives on yeah do you see alex Terrible's yeah he's cover? the goat he's the goat for sure i mean when i think of like a vocalist that like you know that was just you know, had it, had it all for me. Like I would probably like always think of Chester for yeah. sure. What were you saying? Alex terrible's cover of giving up. Uh huh. I haven't seen that now. He, so he did it. Mm. And during that like super long scream, he couldn't do it. <laughs> and he just goes, how the fuck did he do that? And he just like, keeps going yeah. with the song. Yeah. And I, was like, and I think there's, I think there's videos of him recording that in the studio and it's pretty, pretty impressive. Like, I mean, not just that, um, there's some reels where they like isolate the vocals and stuff and just listening to the quality of his voice is it's yeah it's impressive yeah dude <laughs> speaking, great dude. yeah best of all time probably speaking of long vocals uh have you ever heard of dead vectors by chance or pathogen pathogen no i don't think so, so uh the the vocalist for both of those bands his name is kenny stroh and he like has these videos up of him like I know he does like a fry kind of style that allows you to kind of like get, get more out of it or like a longer thing, but he'll go for like a minute. <laughs> it's like, dude, Oh my God. <laughs> like, how are you doing that, man? He's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I used to think that was super cool. Like one of my favorite things back in the day, um, on the subject of, of metalcore is, uh, like what was, um, like this song from all that remains this calling. When oh, they do dude. Those, yeah. yeah. At the beginning, it's just like I don't know. Like bands don't do that anymore. It was just a random, or or even uh, Howard uh, back in the day. They would just hold out this like high vocal, and I always thought that was so cool because I've always been like, you know, um, I've I've always toured with a lot of uh, death metal and like hardcore bands, and like 
they always do like the picking up the coins thing or like the super like tough you know kind of movements on stage but <laughs> yeah. i've always been like casting spells and whatnot <laughs> because i'm all about like fast you know movements and casting spells and circle pitch so i've never i've never known i've always been like kind of awkward on stage because i that's all i do like just fucking cast spells dude and, i love that and though. call for circle pits but <laughs> you can only get so many walls of death and whatever before it's like okay dude fuck it i'm casting spells i'm just gonna do a fucking seance yeah, yeah, here. Like, i've never known how to had <laughs> to, to be i guess like the the tough guy but yeah dude i love that though i love that that's the approach it's just i'm gonna cast spells then <laughs> so i ha- i had a friend that would always tell me i know what kind of vocal you're doing depending of the shape or in the angle of the of the the, the claw you're making while you're casting your spells <laughs> yeah so yeah it's for like it's 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 metal for the hearing impaired <laughs> so they, they can know like what kind of what kind of sound you're oh, doing it's an ice cream <laughs> oh nice yeah, dude yeah, yeah, yeah nice. i bet that sounds great <laughs> oh man, that's I can't funny. hear it. If I could, I bet it'd be I fucking it's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's funny as hell. But anyway, yeah, it was pretty cool when they would hold out those long screams and yeah, uh, at the beginning of the songs and mm. whatnot. There was also another one. It was uh, there was the chariot back in the day. They had a song called uh, "And Shot Heat." and shot each other and it had like one of those long screams i've just always loved that especially as somebody that like i i don't do scream vocals at all i don't really i don't know the mechanics of it or anything like that so to me it's like super impressive because because it's all still a mystery to me um so yeah and then doug doug's on the more vocal end he's working through uh 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 david benitez right uh yeah extreme vocal institute i've been slacking a little bit but yeah. yeah, so be it, as long yeah. as you're putting in a little bit of time on it here and there. Right. So. Yeah, I have to figure out how to explain what I do because I've never, I literally have never been able to do it. And I think, you know, it would definitely be helpful. It would probably be helpful for myself. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, honestly, I, I can see where the challenge would be too. Like, just, just the mere fact that like, like I'm a drummer, you, you see what's going on, like wh- when you're doing it, you see what's going on mechanically when, when it comes to guitars you physically see what's going on mechanically when it comes to any sort of vocals. We don't have like any sort of scope that we're like, you know, shoving like intubating you with and shoving down your throat. So you can see what exactly is going on mechanically. It's also like hidden from us. So it's, it's, it, so that makes it so much more tricky to like fully grasp everything that is taking place. The, the only thing that I, um, that I know at least that I've seen that's a constant for me, like vocally is uh, breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Like that's always been helpful. Um, and I used to, cause I remember like back in the day, everybody was watching like, um, what was it called? The, the Zen uh, of yeah, screaming or something Cross. like that with Melissa, with Melissa cross. And I remember watching her videos and I was like, I'm sure this lady is, I mean, she's an authority in her field. I'm sure, you know, what she's talking about makes sense, but none of the stuff, and a lot of the stuff that, you know, that I heard on there was like, this is, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't work for me. So I was like, I don't understand, you know, a lot of the examples that she was giving, I was like, okay, some of them, you know, kind of make sense for me, but others were just not working out. So I had to kind of like, just figure out my own thing. And the only thing that I know that was consistent with what, like she said, and what I've experienced myself was the diaphragmatic breathing. 
and and the and the 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 breathing exercises that has always definitely worked because it, it it really helped with my stamina and i would do it a lot while i was running like practicing all the different vocal runs and stuff that i was oh, doing yeah. and that the, uh, also the vocal shapes like doing shapes with my mm-hmm. mouth to figure out like the different the different sounds that's the one thing that i've always noticed it's it, it is a constant for me yeah and i could and that that makes sense that that would be like the most the most important thing is just cuz cuz when it comes to just just breathing is just at the core of it like if if you if you don't have that under control then one like you don't have the energy to even be able to like you know uh put on put on a show like up up in front of people and then two you don't have the the means to to actually produce any vocal sound that's where it's like it's got to be challenging as a as a vocalist cuz the very thing that you need in order to power like your energy <laughs> through a show is the same thing that you're using to actually power the sound. And it's like, yeah. you, you almost got to like work twice as hard for it in that case. <laughs> especially when you're casting spells. <laughs> Dude, especially, <laughs> or maybe the spells help. I don't know if they help. Maybe some sort of <laughs> picking up the coins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pick up that chance. Get some mana energy. Flowing. No, but you know, you know, what's another thing too? Um, like even, I remember when I was touring, something that really helped me out is that I wouldn't like overexert myself at the beginning. I would go all out towards the end, you know, like the, the final uh, shows. But I noticed a lot that a lot of the, vo- the vocalists that I was touring with, they used to like just like yell like out of their lungs, like to the point where I was like, guys, you know, you have a microphone. You don't need <laughs> to like scream that loud. You can use that to your advantage. But um, I used to try not to like go all out till like the later tale of a tour or or you know the last few shows uh, so that's something that i try to do now too like i always uh one of the things i would tell my band members is like i want to i, I want to make sure that if if i watch a video and i look at myself and i know what faces i make you know when i'm <laughs> casting <spells. laughs> but but if i look uncomfortable i know that i was doing something wrong because that's one thing that i always set out to do i was like i want to make sure that whatever i do that i can do it comfortably like i don't want to kill myself or look like i'm dying you know doing it because then i'm I'm doing something wrong. yeah plus like the thing is like you want to be able to enjoy it and if and if like and if you're kind of putting yourself into a position where you're like in like you know hurting as you're doing it or you're like you're having to kind of you know like allocate additional bandwidth <laughs> like to be able to to be able to like actually do that thing, then it's just, I don't know. It's better just to kind of, as, as you're talking about, like just really be good about uh, just like a nice slow roll in terms of how you're expending your, your energy and, and your vocal resources. So as to not just, you know, fuck yourself over early on. And then the rest of the tour yeah. is just miserable. Cause yeah. Cause that would, that would suck if you just kind of blew it early on. Could you imagine yeah. doing that? Like, fucking 30 nights in a row almost dude right oh my god and like how long are your are your sets generally would you say i mean probably now i mean we haven't played a show in a while given the the pandemic but we usually try to keep it uh like maybe 30 minutes max i mean when i was touring back in the day they could get a little longer Mm -hmm. but we we try to keep it like under 30 minutes if we can and that much time just is is ex- it, it, like, yeah if you have to do that night after night and you just and you kind of like blown a gasket vocally <laughs> yeah then the rest of the yeah. tour is just no well i mean you have you have bands that you know headliners that go on for an hour or more like i don't know how how you know how they do it yeah <laughs> i i was actually like, yeah i just i just played a like a a halloween like punk show a couple a couple nights ago and it was it was 
like roughly two, two or two and a half hour set. And like, I just, and oh we have, God. fortunately we have like two vocalists in, in that band. They just kind of switch off song to song. But I, I think the whole time I'm like, Oh my God, like at least, at least like on drums in certain styles, you have kind of the luxury of being able to like pull it back a little bit, maybe not do as crazy of fills, like, you know, uh, not hit as hard, but like hit more efficiently. That way you get the same sound, but not having to wear yourself out as much. But vocally, it's like, like, at least to my understanding, it seems like you kind of need to give it all, all, all you, whatever it requires to get a certain quality of sound, you need to use that amount. It seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially changing back and forth. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's tough even for me now. Like, I feel like I have somewhat you know um i can i can say that i i i have achieved a level where i feel comfortable with with my voice and what i can do but even then it's tough changing from all the different ranges like it's not easy to 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 scream and sing at the same time like it's two completely different you know especially again when you're moving around and, and 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 again even back in the day when i was doing headliners like i don't even think i've ever played more than 45 minutes and that was you know crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i don't know how these guys I, I i was gonna say that i saw uh celine dion last year mm-hmm. and this lady played for like two hours mind you she's just like on another level but i could not i i was just like how i, I don't know how this is happening and she just sounds <laughs> like she did you know 20 30 years ago like she still sounds just as good or, or better oh yeah and i mean mind you this lady has like 15 sound engineers and like i don't know how much production or whatever mm-hmm. but like she just sounded phenomenal i don't know how she did it for more than two dude hours. that's tight that's that's cool that you got to see her too she's like such a she's such kind of like yeah. a like a powerhouse like musically so like what, what were you able to kind of pull from from seeing her live as a vocalist i haven't I have never in my life heard a cleaner mix. Uh-huh. Like, by the way, if you hear squeaking, those <laughs> my dogs in the background, they're going crazy right Love now. It. Um, but um, yeah, dude, that, that the mix was insane. I mean, this lady has her entire, like an entire orchestra with her. Like she's, I, th- I think I counted like maybe like 15 trucks outside. It was a wow, massive uh, production, but it was just, I mean, I feel like, I don't even know how to how to say this. I don't want to come across the wrong way, but I feel like some people can maybe learn their craft. This woman was definitely born with this. Like I don't think anyone can do what she does. Mm. Uh, like she just she's out of this. Like she might be an alien. I don't think she's. <laughs> <laughs> some people just have that knack, dude. man. Like her voice, her voice is out of this world, guys. Like it's it's. I mean, her show is not even that crazy. Uh, honestly, again, the production is massive and the sounds like I'm talking about, like I heard even the triangles, like every little, you know, every, the chimes, the like every little thing in that orchestra, you could hear clearly. And, you know, she was swapping microphones in between songs. So she's got, you know, her team has got her, you know, her settings her EQ, her, you know, for every single song, you know, is, is worked, worked out. But, you know, aside from all that technical stuff that obviously she's got million people working on, like, her herself is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's, I can, I mean, I, 
and now I get it, like why she has a Vegas show. I mean, I think everyone should experience it, you know, at, at some point. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. It's And it's so different, you know, because like what we do is it's a completely different world, you know, and a completely different style of, of, of and a completely different approach uh, to music. But um, yeah, it was just a, a different and just out of this world experience for myself. I actually went with my dad. My dad's a huge uh, Celine Dion fan. So we, you know, we went out there and again, there was out of this world experience. Dude, hell yeah. And that's awesome. Like, honestly, that's as we, as we start to kind of get back to normal life, that's like, that's so, uh, that's, that's such like a goal of mine is just to be better about as I'm, as I'm kind of looking to different like show options or whatever. Uh, I'm always super inclined, obviously to go to like heavy shows. We, we have some, some that we want to check out coming up soon. Uh, but I really, really, for like, for like multiple reasons, want to make it more of a point to go and, you know, check out like uh, higher production value shows, like like pop artists or, or or this or that. Just because one, it's like you get a totally different experience in, in terms of just learning like what these musicians are doing, and then two, like like more so as of late, I've I've found like the production end of things like super interesting, and uh, and so just to see like what what they're doing to achieve you know a successful show at that caliber uh would be like a lot of really really good intel so uh um so yeah that's something that i gotta do and just kind of check out like some bigger bigger name artists and whatnot and celine dion would have been that would, that'd be a tight one actually <laughs> that'd be a really cool experience <laughs> so imagine seeing yeah, she, she she did this thing at the end um i mean obviously you guys have heard my my heart will go on oh, yeah. and i mean we kind of I mean, you can't go to a Celine show and not, you know, her not do that song. <laughs> yeah. So we knew she was going to do it. But There'd the be thing is that she had been on for like two hours already. And we're like, where's the song? <laughs> and like, in a way, it was like, all right, she's going to. I mean, I know all the other stuff, obviously, whatever from my dad and obviously my, my parents listening to it all, all our, our life. But I was like, I guess, is that going to be like the last song? Like, is it really? But I was beginning to worry because I was like, you know she has this new album and she's touring on this album. And like, usually, you know, they would probably do that song a little earlier and then end with something else. Um, and she left it as, a, as one of like the two or three encores at the end. Mm -hmm. But what was crazy is that she had these, like, I don't know if it was hundreds or thousands, but it was just mad drones that just went into the air. And I had never seen that. So I've seen some crazy like productions, but I had never seen so many drones like fly up like that. And then they were doing like all these like crazy patterns or whatever. And then at the end, like all the lights go off and it's just like her, like she looks like she's floating. Oh. And then like one of the drones just like lands on her hand, like perfectly <laughs> on her hand. And I, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but I just thought that was like crazy, like how that happened. And I was just like, wow, like it's just, you know, when you think of her, you just think of someone like super majestic and like she'll have, you know, you know, um, again like that that goes with her she'll have a show like that but it's just when you see it you know it's different yeah. like than just thinking God, about that's it so cool. that's <laughs> such massive like attention to detail too to like to yeah. have those kind of nuances throughout a show like that, that that's so yeah. fucking tight dude, those those like bigger acts dude just have it i mean it's it's all it's like a science dude honest to goodness like imagine seeing yeah. tool uh-huh. Like I heard that's like the best live show you could ever go to is Tool. Mm. That, yeah. I've heard yeah, from I've like, never seen Tool. That's definitely one that, that would be great yeah. to experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Imagine being Celine Dion and having to sing that song every fucking night. My heart will go on. I know. Be, she's probably like, I got to sing this fucking thing again. <laughs> I wonder if she's still still stoked on it. Or if she's like, oh, come on. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you know this, but she didn't like the song. It was her husband that convinced her to do it. So I don't know if this is true or not, but I've been told that the song that we got was her demo because she hated the song and kind of just went in and did like one one take. And that was what they got because she she didn't believe in the song. Oh, wow, wow. So I guess her husband's the one that kind of got her to do it. And like when she heard it, she was like, okay, like maybe, you know, maybe it it, it is a hit. God, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, like how funny that it's like something that she was like, oh, I don't want to have to do this shit. Right. And it's like, no, it's like yeah. a huge deal. <laughs> Everybody knows what that song is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of the most like epic songs of all time or love songs. Let's just say love songs. Because it is a love song, right? That's a love song. That's a t- Titanic yeah, song. Yeah, it's from Titanic. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, we'll call it a love song. So like, I don't know. I guess it is one of those that it, that it has to be in the top 10 like of all time. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's that's why. Um, what are some, what are some, uh, have, have you kind of been to a handful of those different kind of higher production uh, shows? Oh, yeah. Who, who yeah. else have you so, checked out? Uh, I got to see Billie Eilish oh, on her be really first cool. tour before it got canceled. Oh. <laughs> so we were the only show. So um, I'm, I'm in. I'm from Miami, Florida. So she did her kickoff here, and then after her show here in Miami, they canceled it because that's when the whole COVID thing. You started. timed it out perfectly. So that was super epic. I'm not even a Billie fan. I mean, not that I don't think she's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it was just, uh, you know. Dude, like she is she's yeah. good bro she's as good as, as her fans make her out to be like she really is and her brother her brother's out of hand i think he might even be Phine- phineas know, is more of a fucking sick yeah. Yeah. honestly and and but, that's where it's like just kind of being a like more of a matter of being like just a, a music connoisseur like it, like even if you don't like or not not like but even if you're not like like air quotes a fan of an artist it's like knowing that you'll go to this Billie Eilish show and you'll like get a, a really cool experience out of it in terms of like, like her artistry, like the production of it uh, and all that. So just being a connoisseur. Yeah. yeah. And, and I hope that she keeps the same production because I don't think she got to do it. Mm-hmm. And if she ever tours again, I hope that's what the, the, the fans are getting because that was insane. I don't want to say it cause I don't want to ruin it in case someone's into uh, <laughs> Billie, but it was as far as like, an elaborate um, stage production, like that was one of them. Because I've seen some pretty elaborate ones. Uh, I've seen uh, uh, Twenty One Pilots. Oh yeah, um, they've had they had a pretty crazy uh, production. Um, the first time I saw Imagine Dragons, because I'm I'm not really digging the um, some you know what they've been doing lately. Not into the newer mm-hmm. stuff, but like early on in the career, I've, I I saw them. And their their stage production was insane. Like not just them, like musically sound uh, sounded good, but the the whole production was crazy. But I will tell you what my favorite uh, two artists, like my because t- I have I have a top three. Celine Dion was definitely one of them. But the other two, and guys, if you have an opportunity to see these guys, like I would one hundred percent tell you to you know to to do so. Um, the first one was John Bellion. I don't know if you know who John Bellion is. I do. Uh, but this guy is out of hand. Um, <laughs> I think uh, he actually produced, if I'm not mistaken, Justin Bieber's uh, last oh, album. Yeah. But this guy is kind of like, you know, 
on the DL. You probably don't hear about him a lot, but I think he works on a lot of the Pixar stuff too for 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 Disney. But he's just like a music whiz. Like this guy is out of hand. Like I want tickets to go see him with my wife. Um, and we saw him and this guy, I, the most memorable thing that I can remember is that he had like no stage production, but he's like, he, he's, uh, impromptu as hell. Like he'll like stop the whole band and like kind of tell him, you know what? I'm not feeling this. And he'll look at the drummer and be like, give me this beat. He'll tell the bass player, play this. He'll look at the guitars and he's like, let's switch it up and then do the song. But in like a completely different way, but like there live, like he's just weird as Holy hell. Fuck. Like, but he he kind of just doesn't want to do the same show every time. Like every time you go see him, it's something uh-huh. different. Dude, that's tight. Um, go ahead. That's no, super sick. That's just really yeah. cool. Like to to like just that's like kind of the decision making stuff that we were talking about earlier early on. Like being being flexible enough to be able to change, but doing it like literally on a show by show basis where you're yeah. rehearsed enough, where like you un- understand yeah. and you have a good like rapport and like. Uh, uh, like compatibility with the other music musicians that you're it's with. It's tough. It's not yeah, easy. Absolutely. To like, to, to be and, in that position and, is not, not an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I love about him is that he takes his friends on tour. So whenever he's on tour, he doesn't break like big names. He brings his friends so that people can kind of like see what they're doing um, and what they're working on. So I thought that was great. Cause like, he gives his friends like exposure, mm-hmm. but if you have, you know, whenever you can go on YouTube and look up some of his sessions, John Bellion, uh-huh. That guy's out of hand. But my number one most epic performance I've ever seen had no stage production whatsoever, and it was Ed Sheeran. I, as, that was as, as soon as you said insane. no production, I was like, I bet it's Ed Sheeran, <laughs> dude, because he yeah, like he does like, like live no looping production. for all of it, right? He just literally is up there with like like a loop station around him, and he's like, all right, let me yeah, just put it together. And everybody that I saw, you know, that was on tour with him had crazy stuff, and then he just goes on. I mean, he had the screen in the back and the lights, but that was it. And I, I didn't, I wasn't even an Ed Sheeran fan, but that was the one perform, like that was the one person that I went to see that I didn't want to see, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I had so much fun because like just the way he approached it was just so freaking cool. And back then, I don't think he had a band because now I think he brings you know mm. a whole you know uh, a whole band. But that was just to just see him up there by himself, like that was that that's was crazy. So tight. But the one, the one I really want to see now is the weekend because I love oh, the weekend. Yeah. Like that's that's who I'm really into right now. And like I have I haven't been able to to go see the weekend, so I think that would be for sure. Whenever you know he comes down here, that'll be my next show Dude, for sure. Hell yeah, that's fucking awesome. Um, on on that note, we're kind of coming to time right now. But on that note of kind of talking about different shows, uh, as we kind of wrap up, we always like to like kind of I guess so to speak roll out the red carpet for anybody let them talk about whatever whatever shows or whatever other stuff going on so we've been talking about all these shows tell any of our listeners where they can find you where they can see you maybe coming up in the future what to how to kind of keep up with you the floor is yours yeah absolutely so right now we're I mean again we're now beginning to transition into this new normal whatever (laughs) it is more and more um, we kind of just took the pandemic to sit back and, and do what we could control, which was write music because we really couldn't uh, play anywhere. So we've been a little bit out of, out of the game there. But um, we do have a ton of material because, again, we've been, you know, working just 
nonstop on writing new music. So um, we recently dropped like kind of nowhere, like no, there was no real pre-save campaign or any or anything. It was kind of just a, a, a surprise drop. We dropped that doppelganger track, but there's a ton of other material, a ton of other music videos that we have. Um, so there'll be, uh, we're going to continue uh, for the rest of uh, 2021 to kind of get everything ready. Uh, but 2022 is definitely when you're going to hear most, uh, uh, mostly uh, starting uh, in January with with a new track that we're going to uh, drop with a new music video as well. But Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, um, you know, wherever your favorite streaming flat, uh, platform is, um, and then definitely looking to start traveling and playing some shows outside of. Uh, Florida, even outside of Florida. Heck to the yeah. Well, all you bronzies out there, you heard it. You know where to keep in touch with Ray. You know where to keep in touch with Acedia. That way you just know everything they got going on, especially coming into this new year. It's going to be some straight heat coming from them. So be on the lookout. Uh, keep in touch with them. And uh, yeah, uh, Ray, thank you so much again for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And to all you bronzies out there, you know the drill. Until next time, this has been bronze metal podcast.